Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let me invite you to uh, either use your smartphone, if that's where you look at the word of the Lord from, or if you have your Bible. Uh, I want you to turn to Psalms 119, verse 164. Psalms 119, 164. If you were here on Sunday, McKenna preached the word, amen, and we thank God for her and sharing the word of the Lord. Uh, praise God. Psalms 119, verse 164. Hallelujah. This particular Psalms um, really speaks to me. Because um, I enjoy looking at like numbers in the Bible and their significance. And so, of course, the number one is significant, the number two is significant, three, um, four, and five, grace, four, seasons, and uh, seven, uh, perfection. And, and um, so when I looked at this and I came up with uh, this message for the month of February in personal growth, I want you to, to understand that um, without spiritual growth, you could never, and hear me now, you can never accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish and please him. Now, you can accomplish things, you can become successful, but I'm referring to doing things that please God, right? right? So, so it's got to be, be spiritual, and so because we're spiritual people. Because I believe that unity is found when we operate in the spirit realm. Because, see, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing you have to understand about growth or about maturity. We can have our differences. That's a soul realm. You can have your opinions. That's a soul realm. That, that gives you and it confirms your ability to comprehend and God has given you that ability. So you can have your differences. And I shared before, you can have your likes and what you don't like. But one of the things that we must be careful of is that our differences don't divide us. Right? You, you can't have that. And so throughout the entire New Testament, especially with the religious folks, that was the biggest challenge of the, of the New Testament was how do we unify under Jesus Christ? Especially when for years we have been ingrained in the religious process, the religious system, for so long, how then do we now walk and step into this freedom that we have? And so oftentimes we may look and say, well, that was Old Testament. It doesn't reflect on us. Yeah, we have habits and things that we do that we've been conditioned to do. And that is what's causing our differences. But if we understand growth and we understand what we're about to share with you, we're going to be able to realize that God wants us to be unified and come together and come together. Okay. So where we want to end is in Philippians chapter 2, but we're going to start in Psalms 119, 164. Allow me, please, to kind of take a step over to Psalms, uh, to Philippians chapter 2 and, and kind of give you a revelation. Now, you may have already understood this, so, so, so indulge me and, and, and be patient with me while I catch up to, to where maybe you've already got this revelation. But when I looked at Philippians 2 and I was studying this, it talks about, um, you know, that, that God is working in us and to work of his will and his good pleasure. And the apostle Paul is writing to this church and he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I always thought that work out your own. I always thought that was the individual thing that Paul was saying, that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the context of what he was talking about, he says, no, it was a unity. The Greek word that he uses for many of, of, in that particular verse is all about, it's a plural. It's together. So what he's saying is that he wants us to grow together. That for some reason, for some reason, God has it in his mind that we will grow together. And the more we become individualistic and the more we come just about me, myself, and I, the more it is hard for us to walk in that unity that God has for us so we can enjoy his blessing. Does that make sense? See, please understand that, that God wants to bless you. God has blessed you. I mean, let that sink in. In Ephesians, as we're studying on Wednesdays, it says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessing. All. He didn't say some spiritual blessing. 
He says that God has blessed us with all. Someone say all. So there's nothing you and I lack. Spiritually. There is nothing, Ryan, that you lack. So as we're going to see when it comes to seven ways to dominate your day, is that God then wants you to tap into a resource that's been sitting in the heavenlies that is available for you and I so we can grow and cause other people to grow as well. And so the Apostle Paul says, now, you must be responsible now to work this thing out. Because as you work out your salvation, and, and, and you work out your salvation, and you work out your salvation, we break the division, oh God, and we now come together in unity, and God is glorified, and he ends that particular chapter by saying, now you shine as light in a crooked and a perverse nation or generation. You feel me? So, so God is saying, I'm so committed to unity that I've commanded the blessing in Psalms 133 in unity. That there's certain things that if I want to access it, I have to access it with your involvement in my life. And so if we allow our differences, that it's your prerogative to have them. But if we cause those differences to divide us, then we will never tap into all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ Jesus. And I mean, and he was talking to the church, not the courts, to the church. And he's saying, if the church then will walk in unity, we give an example of what it is like to walk in unity. So in other words, once you've reached a place of spiritual growth, it is very important that we understand now personal growth, personal growth, where we now take responsibility. Okay, and there's a challenge that we're going to see this right now. So in Psalms 119, verse 164, it says this, and this is the King James Version. Then I'll read it in the English Standard Version and then the NIV Version. Hopefully we caught everybody that different translation that they have. Okay, so so it says in the King James, says seven times a day. Someone say seven times. Seven times a day. So within a 24-hour period, I'm going to do something seven times. Okay? And what does he continue to say? I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. So, so the psalmist is saying here that seven times a day do I praise thee because of, because of your righteous judgments. So he's welcoming now the judgment of God and he said, I'm going to praise you in the midst of this judgment. What is the judgment of God? Okay, we're going, to, we're going to see that. The English stanza verse says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. You're right. So we have judgments and we have rules. And he says both of them, they're righteous. They're righteous. So Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his so seeking first the kingdom of God. So, so, so there is a mindset that there is the, the kingdom of God is what we need now to manifest in this earth. It is, it is as believers, we operate from the kingdom of God. We, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. A, a story was told about a, 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 a couple, I forgot what nation they were in, and these soldiers walked in, I believe they were on the train, and these soldiers walked in, and the soldiers asked them and says, hey, are you American citizens? And, and, and they said, yes. And he says, no, you're not. No, you're not. So now they became fearful. The, the, these strong soldiers were asking them for their citizenship. And so all of a sudden now, they, they were fearful. And they looked and they noticed that the lady had a Bible that was sticking out of her bag. And she says, what is that? He says, the Bible. He says, take it out. I want you to read it. And she got to the point where it says in the Ephesians, I believe it says, you are citizens of heaven. And he says, you're not American citizens. You're citizens of the kingdom of God. And he says, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. He was a believer. And he was telling them that that Bible is your citizenship. That's your passport. Good God Almighty. That's your identity. And they got off rejoicing and walked and said, see you later. So it was their citizenship in heaven. And what I'm here to tell you is this, that the kingdom of God is how we need to operate. Because that's where we left. Was the kingdom of God. That your birthday is really a revelation of you entering into this realm to bring the kingdom of God into this realm. And that's why you must be born again. 
That's why you have to have the gospel preached to you so you can know your identity. Then you will operate from where you came. Good God. And so if we don't know our citizenship, we cannot operate and embrace the benefits of citizenship. Can I teach this thing on citizenship? So for me, it costs thousands of dollars to get what some of you were born into. Thousands of dollars. Every imaginable need I had to get. This arm and that arm and bend over and cough. You know what I'm saying? Everything imaginable. And it's interesting because in the book of Acts, when you look at this, that the apostle Paul was being persecuted for bringing the kingdom of God into this realm. Destroying the religious systems of which he was birthed out of in the natural. And so all of a sudden now he's being persecuted and they're beating the apostle Paul. And he doesn't cry out and say, hey, I'm a believer. He cries out because he assesses the situation and he says, I'm a Roman citizen. And he said, it's not lawful for you to do what you're doing because of my citizenship. Oh, God. So if his natural citizenship can cause protection and cause the enemy to stop what they're doing. Oh, I know I'm preaching this thing. How much more when you declare to that devil your citizenship in heaven? He's got to stop, oh God, what he's doing. Because your citizenship is up in heaven. And if he messes with heaven, come on somebody. He'll send down angels and legions of angels to come and rescue you. You are blessed with all spiritual blessing. Someone shout loud, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to shake your neighbor. Says, neighbor, don't you know you're blessed? Yes, you are. 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 You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You got to tell yourself that. Come on. When you get that bill in the mail, you're blessed. When you get that hospital bill, you got to tell yourself, I'm blessed. Uh, you're not convinced yet. Come on. If you knew how blessed you were, you would seven times a day open up your mouth and give God a praise and let the devil know that my citizenship is in heaven and with God all things are possible. Someone shout, I'm blessed. Oh, there you go. That's it. I can't go any further if you don't know you're blessed. You'll get frustrated and say, why well, I'm preaching so long. Huh? If you don't understand your blessing, you don't understand your blessing. Now, it's interesting that if you go to Barnes and Noble or any bookstore, and one of the massive sections in the bookstore is the self-help or the personal development or the personal growth area. There are so many books on there. And I did a Google. You know, you got everything on Google is true, right? Come on. So you got to Google it, right? So, so we got a generation that if, if, if Wikipedia says it, it must be true then. Ah, oh, God. Thank Holy Ghost. Okay. So I go and, and I said the hundred top personal development books. And, you know, one of them was Think and Grow Rich. And, and, and the other one was, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, and, and number three was Seven Habits of Effective People. I mean, read any one of those books, Think and Grow Rich and, and, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And everything. And I said, Lord, you know what? My book, Seven Ways to Dominate Your Day, it's going to be a top seller. Huh? It's going to be a top seller. Praise God. And what that is telling us, body of Christ, the gathering place, is that people are hungry for personal growth. That they want success. If you wake up in the morning time and you look at yourself and says you're a failure, something is wrong spiritually. Something's wrong. The enemy is lying to you and you're believing the lie and you're operating from a perspective of no value, of no worth, of no, of, of no, uh, uh, understanding God's design for your life. And so you function, but you're dysfunctional. So people are going to self help books to try to find the formula. Oh, there's a word right there. Huh? The right mixture of things I can do 
so I can achieve the success that I desire or that was told to me that I can have. So, so, so the people who you're going to encounter, and maybe some of you here, you're, you're in that arena now trying to find formulas to try to get your faith, come on, to, to try to get to a certain place. And so when you walk into a place like this, and I'm speaking to you about faith, there's a conflict now. There's a conflict because, because I'm speaking spiritual truth, but you're reading sometimes just theories. And so there's a bad now between what is being taught and what you have sought. And so because you're seeking, you're seeking from a source that's not from God, we have a conflict now. And so I'm going to personally offend you because I got to get what you're seeking out of the way so you can seek God. So what they're telling me is people are hungry then. They want to know how can I live a successful life every single day. And if you look yourself in the mirror and what you say to yourself is speaking against God's word, you will never, listen to me, you will never be fruitful and productive. You will exist. But you will never be fruitful and productive. And when you take a look at that as a, as, as a lens of your life, no wonder people are discouraged. No wonder people are disappointed. No wonder people are wondering, how is it going to work out? No wonder if there's no hope. But we are not that people, right? And here's why. Because we're blessed. Someone say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. See, I can't move on until you're convinced that you're blessed. blessed. Right? right? Because if I keep preaching about the blessings of God and you don't see yourself blessed, you're going to just stay where you are and you're not going to grow. So, so I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. That's where it's coming from. So my deliverance is in Christ Jesus. My deliverance from these religious acts is in Christ Jesus. The deliverance that my marriage needs is in Christ Jesus. The deliverance my ch- it's in Christ Jesus. Everything I need, it's in Christ Jesus. Ian, it's in Christ Jesus is where the blessing is. So I go after Christ Jesus. And if you're going after Christ Jesus and you're going after Christ Jesus, we then now come to a place of unity. We come to a place of unity. And therefore, the blessing now is release to the nations of what God wants us to do. So there's seven things we have to do. Seven things we have to do. I, I like this verse. And I said, Lord, where does this verse fit into, into this message? I'm just going to read it and allow the Holy Spirit just let it fit in somewhere in your life. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Just good to read the word of God. So in Deuteronomy 28, verse 7, it says this. The Lord will cause your enemies... Oh God, there it is, because you're blessed. The Lord will cause your enemies, plural, who rise up against you to be defeated before you. See, so you don't live a defeated life. Your enemies live a defeated life. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. Look at God. That ought to get someone to slap your neighbor. And says, look at God. My goodness. They come in one way. But he's going to send them out seven. Now that's how you dominate your day. That's how you dominate your day. By acknowledging the power. Acknowledging the presence. Acknowledging the goodness of God. When your enemy comes in. And it was in the context of where he was talking about the blessing that was to be to this nation as they entered this new promised land. Or this land, excuse me, where they were going in seven ways. In seven ways. So, so, so just a quick review, then I'm getting to the meat of my message. Because here it is. And I asked my daughter this morning. I said, Danny, um, how do you acknowledge God? Because the first thing to dominate your day, starts with the letter A, is acknowledge God. Not just an awareness of God because he's omnipresent. I mean, God, he's, at, he's in the bar. Come on. God is everywhere. Folks got saved in the bar. Come on, somebody. Huh? He was with the particle son in the pig pen. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But he wants to manifest himself in a deeper way in you and in me. Okay? So we have to understand that. And so I said, how do you acknowledge God? She's like, well, you know, what, what do you mean? And I said, no, there's no right or wrong answer. Just how do you acknowledge God? 
Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, verse 6, acknowledge God in all your ways and he'll direct your steps, right? And so you'll walk in victory because but so how do you acknowledge God? And I'm going to share with you how to acknowledge God. I'm going to share the two things that are required, the two things that are necessary for you to acknowledge God. Not just being aware of God in your finance. Not just being aware of God, but you need to now acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. And see what's going to happen when we do that. Okay. So, so watch this now. So the first thing then is we talked about spiritual growth, right? And so in your salvation, and I said, Holy Spirit, why are you keeping me on this? He says, Rowan, if people don't understand salvation, they can never understand the fullness of what I have for them. They won't understand it. And so he begins in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10, and he's saying, I've already done the work. Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth. It was God who initiated his love for you. It was God. It wasn't you and I. There's nothing that we can ever do to please God. No, 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 no. God was the one that went and God rescued us. And so in Ephesians 2, we talked about spiritual growth and we talked about God prepared your heart for growth. Yes, he did. God prepared your heart for growth. And we can see now that what this is, is that God has done the preparatory work. God already went and he, the, the King James calls it ordained. The English Standard Version calls it, he has prepared these things for you. Okay? So God is the one that did the work. And the Bible says, Mother Cook, that it was by God's grace. Not of your works, but because the grace of God lets any of us should boast. So God is the one that's doing the work. Okay, preacher, then what do I do? I'll get to that. Okay? So God is the one that's doing the work. Someone say, God's doing the work. Yes, God is doing the work. So, so tell your neighbor, be patient with me because God's doing the work. Oh, come on. I know you need to say it louder than that because sometimes we have some oops and some bumps and and, and some things that we did. So please be patient with me while God's doing a work in me. Right? We need to be patient with one another while God is working things in us. It it, it hasn't come out yet, but God is working some things in us. Some things we got to process. Some things we we, got to be able to, 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 to align with the word of God. Be patient with me. That alone will save so many relationships. Huh? Just being patient with one another. As God is doing the work in our lives, will be amazing. It'll be absolutely amazing to be patient, right? And so here he now goes and he says, all of this is through faith. It's through faith. So the first thing I want you to do is to acknowledge God. The first thing you have to have, it requires faith. It requires faith. Thomas now said, unless I see the prince in his hands, and as I put my hand in his side, I won't believe. And so Jesus shows up now. He says, Thomas, here, touch me. And then he says this, but blessed are those who haven't seen but yet still believe. I'm about to leave, but I need your faith to stay here. Oh, God. Because he says, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? Oh, God, that was deep. Come on. So he says, I'm leaving, but your belief needs to stay here. And your faith needs to stay here. Because I'm coming back, and will I find faith in the ground? Will you be obedient to what I told you to do when I left? And so he's saying that though you see me, Thomas, that's great. That's why you believe. But blessed are those who believe but don't see Ooh, God. That means as believers, we live and we believe that the unseen is more real than the seen. That we believe that God is doing great things that you don't see. Come on. More than what you do see. So I won't be defined by my circumstance. I'll be defined by what the word of God says. And that all started because of salvation. Oh, I'm going to run in this place. So if I don't understand salvation and his work, I will then try to step out of God's plan and try to do it on my own. Because I, I, no patience. God, come on. It should have been yesterday. It should have been last week. It should have been last month. No, baby, God's doing a work. And for 16 years, come on, when I left that Greyhound bus and went down to Columbus and someone picked me up, 16 years of God working this thing inside of me that now God has me here. And I'm willing to wait another 16 years if I need to so I can receive the fullness of the blessing of God in my life. Someone said, work it out, God. Work it out, God. Because see, the issue wasn't God and his timing. The issue was me. The issue was me. So what robs you of your faith? What robs you of your faith, John? What will rob you of your faith? Nicole, what will rob you of your faith? Elder Kathleen, 
What will rob us of our faith is two things. We either blame God or we curse God. We either blame God or we curse God. So because we don't understand what God is doing, we attribute things to him. God says, that that wasn't me. And so when we come up empty now, well, it's got to be God then because God's sovereign. And so it has to be God. That, and so we blame God. I'll prove it biblically. When he showed up to Adam and Eve, and he says, Adam, where are you? What did he do? God, the woman you gave me. He blamed God. This is your fault, God. You're the one. I was cool. You're the one who said I couldn't be alone. Man, I, I was chilling in the garden. You're the one. God, this was your true big idea. <laughs> huh? So let's blame God. Can I go deeper? Job's friends. And the things are happening to you. What did you do, Job? Come on. What did you do, Job? Because if you were blessed, you wouldn't be going through this. <sighs> huh? It's got to be God. Mm-mm. No, 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 baby. Uh-uh. God's a good God. God's a good God. God's a good God. He's working things out in your life. Can I go deeper? So the man who was blind, and they said, well, who sinned, he or his parents? Jesus solves that problem. No, no, baby. This so the work of God can be done. No, God's been working in his life. As long as he has faith. As long as he has faith. And don't blame me for stuff that I didn't do. Come on. As long, oh, I'm preaching to somebody. As long as you continue to have faith and acknowledge God that he's a good God. Not that what you're going through is good. I'm sure he didn't like being blind. I'm sure Job didn't like the boils on his body. I'm sure Job didn't like the fact that his kids were gone. I'm sure Job didn't like that his money was gone. It's not fun going through life. Whoever said it has to be fun. It's got to be faith. We have an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And we have to keep the faith. I know I'm preaching this thing. I'm preaching myself happy. Come on. Right? Preaching myself happy. Because, because blaming God will hinder your faith. Heard of a guy that is, his, he prayed and, and believed God. And, and Danny, Lizzie was asking me, so, 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 so why, why, why do people die, Dad? If, if, if God just wanted that, I said, I don't know, honey. I don't know. But I know it's a good God. I, I know it's a good God. I was at a funeral of this amazing man of faith. Amazing man of faith. His, his wife died at such a young age. I hate cancer. I hate it. I'm when Darlene Shrek was singing that song and she said, I hate cancer. I hate it. And so it's just getting us more and more to say, God, in the name of Jesus, we declare your healing and your word because you are a good God. And when I just said that, it just caused a hush because people are still trying to process that, aren't we? I just said that word and all of a sudden, whew, because some of us may have experienced or have loved ones who have experienced and we're wondering, God, what the world is up. Yeah, we go through the grieving stage. We go through all of that. And so I'm at this funeral. And so I never, now, now, now in, in Toronto, funerals are like three hours long. I mean, you make sure you eat before you go. You know, I mean, it's going to be that long because everyone's going to talk, right? And so I'm at this funeral and, and one part of the, of the, of the congregator, those who came are wailing. I mean, they are crying deep. We call that bawling. You know what I mean? Just, God, and they're crying out. And the other side was saying, but God, you're good. And I'm sitting there and one of my best friends there, another one, my friend's there and, and he's crying. I'm crying. They're crying because we, we all love each other. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, how do we process this right now? How do we acknowledge God in this? How do we not blame God in the midst of what we're seeing in this situation that we're facing? And so there was a group that was, that was grieving and crying 
And there was another group over here that was saying, but God, you're good. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. And the Lord spoke to me and said, in the midst of the grieving, in the midst of the goodness, only God can stand in the middle and get the glory. Because what both sides were doing was acknowledging God. So in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your loss, don't let the enemy lie to you that God did something that was contrary to his nature. So grieve, but don't forget the glory. And speak of his goodness, but don't forget the glory. Because right in the middle, when those two collide, it releases glory in the atmosphere. And you are transferred from glory to glory to glory to glory. And that is what confuses the enemy. And he comes in one way. But when you manifest the glory of God, he goes seven ways. Because you said, I'm dominating my day. I'm dominating my day. Seven times a day, I will praise God for his righteous judgments. And so as believers, we are the ones who know how to embrace the pain. We don't want to blame God. Number one, you want to acknowledge God if you blame him. And number two, you will not if you curse him. If you curse him, if you curse him, uh, can I go deep? Yeah. The story of Job again and his wife. Yeah. Seeing everything that was going on, won't you just curse God and die? Yeah. Surely, surely what's happened to you must be a curse. And we have to renounce things that have been spoken over your life. I'm sensing the power of God right now. Because you're blessed, you now need to declare the blessing of God and every curse that the enemy has tried to put on you, every curse the enemy has tried to declare over your life, I rebuke it now in the authority that I'm sensing right now in the power of the Holy Ghost. And in Jesus' name, I don't care if it's happened to another family member, it will not happen to you. Come on, every generational things in Jesus' name, go ahead and declare that over your life that I am blessed and I'm not cursed, I'm above, I'm not beneath, I'm the favorite of God, come on, I'm not some enemy's play toy, God has been good to me, and I will not curse him, I will not curse him, no, I will not. I will declare his goodness. Come on. Some of you are getting the breakthrough right now that God is good. And I know that my faith is building. My faith is arising. Why? Because I will not curse God. And she knew the result of cursing God. She said, and die. She didn't say curse God and be cool and live another day. She says, step over that line because the circumstances and what's going on with you, Job, is too much for this house. Your faith is killing us. Oh, God. Ooh, your faith, Job, is killing us. Oh, Shamaka. Oh, and when you know you got to stand in faith, if nobody else will stand in faith, baby, you got to stand in faith. If it means faith by yourself, I refuse to curse God. Oh, my God. I'm sensing there's someone here. You know what it's like to be all by yourself. When everybody else is saying, throw on the towel. You says, I can't. I'm going to believe God for my children. I'm going to believe God for my health. I'm going to believe God for my insanity. I'm going to believe God that he alone is God Almighty. I will not open my mouth and curse God. You are not cursed. Jesus went to the cross to take your curse. So dominate your day and grow in the things of God. Grow in the things of God. Can I go deeper? So in Deuteronomy, God says, if you don't, if you don't take heed to the word of God in Deuteronomy 28, he says, these things are going to come on you. Not I'm doing them. These things, these things are in the atmosphere. And the reason why, the reason why they're not penetrating you is because my presence is with you. So we didn't say that things aren't going to come at you. 
says those things can't change you. They can challenge you, but they can't change you. I'm doing a work that's changing you. And so he now says, it's interesting. He says, if you don't walk in the word, he says that your flesh will be given to the birds of the air. That was in Deuteronomy. Can I go deep? So he declares something that says, when you step into this nation with the Philistines and the, uh, 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 the, 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 the um, Canaanites and all the different ites, when you go in there, they worship other gods. They, they, they worship other idols. I'm sending you in there now to bring my righteous judgment into that place. And so he now says this, if you obey me, they can't touch you. If you don't obey me, they will. Not because of God, but because of your will. Not God's will, because of your will. So God is working. Please stay with me with this. When I saw this, I was like, hold on a second here. How come then Goliath, the giant, cursed the God of the nation of Israel? Watch this now. And he used the same word that was in Deuteronomy about what would happen to them if they don't obey God. Let me back this up. Goliath says, I'm going to do to you, I'm going to curse you, David, is what he was saying. That your body is going to eat. So, so you, David, you're disobedient. Oh, God. In stepping out in faith, the enemy was saying, you're disobedient. <laughs> I'm working this thing out. So he takes what was said of them and try to use it against them. That's why David got so mad. Who do you think you are? Accusing me of being disobedient. Oh God. Who do you think you are? Accusing me of not acknowledging God. So let me acknowledge God since you brought it up. When I was out in the field, oh God. And a bear came and took one of the sheep. I mean, it had it in its mouth. Because the Bible says I killed it with the bear and the paw. So in other words, these hands were free. So in other words, the bear went and put the sheep in the mouth. And David says, oh no, you it ain't over yet. I don't care what the enemy has sunk his teeth into. Oh, that's for somebody right there. David says, I'm responsible for them sheep here. Come on, somebody. And he said, I'm going to kill you, Joker, for messing with my sheep. And since you brought it up, Goliath, (laughs) the lion came after my sheep. (laughs) And I whooped that lion as well. And you, Shaka, someone say you. (laughs) And you, Goliath are going to be just like the bear and the lion. Don't you dare try to say I'm not acknowledging God. My faith is in the work of God. Woo! So when we blame God and we curse God, we hinder faith from operating the realm. It needs to operate in. So watch this now. Oh, Holy Ghost, you're good. Let me turn this because I already went to this and I already went to this. Praise God. So here's the other thing we need now to acknowledge God. So it's faith. Someone say faith. Faith. And the second thing we need is obedience. Is obedience. Faith and obedience will cause you, when you acknowledge God, the evidence of it. Because watch now. So God is doing a work in me. So I don't work for salvation. I work from salvation. I don't work for victory. I work from victory. See, when you see the battle, you didn't see the blessing. So when you see the blessing, you welcome the battle. Come on. Because I'm acknowledging God. I'm acknowledging God. The Hebrew word yada, 
The Hebrew word yada is the same word that David said to his son when he's building the temple. He said, acknowledge God, yada God, with your, all your mind and all of your heart. Right? He, he says, make sure there's faith in your, in your heart and make sure there's obedience in your heart. Those two things, Solomon, will cause you to prosper. Right? And so the body of Christ, what we need to dominate our day is acknowledging God. The evidence, and this is the answer, Danny, the evidence that you're acknowledging God is you walk in faith and you walk in obedience. That's how you know. You walk in faith and you walk in obedience. It's not easy, but it's possible. And I would take possibility any day over being easy. Mm. So what's this journey now? I'm going to give you just a couple of examples. Then I'm going to launch you out of here just so this can sink in your spirit so you can meditate and marinate this all week. All right. Till you come back and we'll go further into the next thing we have to do to dominate our day. So the first thing then in praising God is I acknowledge God. So seven times a day, I'll praise for your righteous rule. What's that praise? I'm acknowledge God. How do I acknowledge God? Through faith and through obedience. Watch this now. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and verse 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge, acknowledge, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat it, for in, for in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay? So can I break this down just a little bit? So here it is now that God provides all the blessing. And I'm working on this message when we get to church growth about living under the influence of grace. Right? To live under the influence of grace. And how does that look like? And so I'm, I'm, I'm studying this and, and, and I'm like, okay, God. And I heard this lady because I heard grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm like, ooh, I love that. But someone said, it, God rests, God's rest at Christ's expense. I said, God's rest? I'm like, ooh, I like that too. But I'm home and I'm reading about the seven ways to dominate your day. And, and I get to the seventh day. And all of a sudden, it's like it just lifted off the pages of scripture. I'm looking at this. And God's like, uh, Rowan, no, my grace is God's rest after creating everything. Wow. So in six days, he creates. He says the seventh day, the Sabbath, he just, he rests. Now, because he was tired, he was initiating something that was going to come into, oh God, he was initiating something that was going to make its way throughout the entire, throughout the every generation. That God is saying, if you acknowledge me, you'll do in six days, come on. And prosper more than it takes seven days. Oh. And it reminded me of the importance of rest. That it's God's grace. I'm like, oh my goodness. So when I acknowledge God, I receive grace. I receive grace. I receive grace. Because what happens is our mind, the enemy puts our minds on other stuff. And so we start to wonder, God, how is this going to work out? And we get all this thing and there's no rest. Six days. God says on the seventh day, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. And so here he creates everything. He creates everything. He now, he now puts man and he puts woman in the garden and says, have everything you want to eat. God blessed them. God blessed them with everything except one thing. Everything. Someone say everything. He had everything. Everything he needed was right there. Every desire, God can meet it. Every issue, God can meet it. He had everything to prosper. And this one tree was there so i'm not gonna get into the theological thing of why it was there people smarter than me can figure that part out i'm just gonna let you know that this is what i believe happened that because god was doing a work in adam and doing a work in eve he says to live in the blessing requires faith and obedience so now when he walked and he would see the tree what would cause him now to not partake was he would say, nope, faith and obedience. And on the other side, you'd be like, oh, he's acknowledging God. I'm not acknowledging the tree. Oh, God. I'm acknowledging God. And so you walk by again, and the enemy says, oh, you need to stop. Nope, faith and obedience. Faith and obedience every time, every time. Temptation, temptation comes. What do you do? You walk by. Why? Because you say, faith and obedience. I'm acknowledging God. I want to dominate my day. I want his blessing. Faith and obedience. They, they kept walking by. And finally the enemy spoke and said, stop. Okay. 
And then all of a sudden, now the conversation started. And here came the blame game. God withheld something from me. And fear came in. And faith and obedience left. And all of a sudden now, instead of being dominant, they were defeated. Don't downplay the importance of faith and obedience. Can I go deeper? Because I know I gotta get you, get you guys out of here. Now watch this now. Now, so, so, so that, that's Adam and Eve, right? And as long as they walked in faith and obedience, they were walking in the blessing and the prosperity and all that God had for them. Let's look at Abraham's obedience. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 10. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 10. I want to get to this real quick. Watch this. Abraham's obedience. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 10. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed. <laughs> uh, let me read that. I'll read this over here because this, this, this side here is, is, is more holy. Watch this now. Watch. Um, um, by faith. So, so. You, you, you are saved by grace, none of your own works, through faith. Okay? So now here's everyone. By faith, Abraham obeyed. <laughs> when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Hey, where are you going? I have no idea. So why are you walking? Faith and obedience. Where are you going? Faith and obedience. But you're by faith and obedience. You're le- faith and obedience. By faith, through obedience, he obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he has received as an inheritance. And God is calling some of you, God is calling all of you, and you stay because, because, because you are. But I did it before and it didn't work out, God. I, I, I tried before God. And they ridiculed me. They talked about me. It wasn't pleasant, so I'm going to stay right here. I know you love me. So that's, that's, that's cool. And I'm going to go to heaven. So I'm cool. But if you want to dominate your day, you've got to say faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. I'm here to tell you, see, see, when, when I said yes to this assignment, the enemy roars ugly head. You think I'm joking? I'm ugly head. I'm about to call my mommy. Mom, they're picking on me again. And I made a phone call. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm tired of every time I try to step out in obedience. I'm tired that people missed on. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. So I love God. God loves me. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm cool. I'll just flip burgers in. And I heard the Lord speak to me so clearly. He was patient and he's been so patient with me. This time he said, now listen, boy. <laughs> now, now, now listen here. This ain't a choice. I've been working in you for 16 years. You really think you're going to prevent me from accomplishing my will on the earth? All you got to do, Rowan, is have faith and obedience. And I will do the rest. And he literally says to me, he says, just like Saul, when he was disobedient and he lost the kingdom and it was ripped from him. There were times in our lives when God is saying, this is not a choice. Oh, God, I'm right. That you will lose dimension of kingdom. Oh, God, have mercy. That you will lose authority and ability to transform people's lives if you don't recognize when he says, now go. And you don't obey what he says. You know it's the Holy Ghost speaking when I'm talking bold like that. But I was just clear. And I said, babe, if nobody else stays, we're going to be right here. Danny will lead worship. And babe, you can cheer me on. And Lizzie will do the slides. Come on, somebody. And we're going to have a time. Because here's why. Here's why. Here's why. I had to acknowledge God. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. And there are times he's going to say, faith and obedience, Ian. Abraham, when he was called, when he was called by God, went for a city whose builder, and he says, maker is God. He said, I acknowledge God at the beginning of the journey, and I'm going to get to my destiny, and God's going to be there. Because he's working in me, and he's working it out. He's working out. Oh, God. 
watch this now. Watch this now. So here is where God now, this is for parents. This is for parents now. Watch this now. We have a generation. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that one of the difficult uh, evidence of the time is children being disobedient to parents. It's connected. What the enemy is doing, what the enemy is doing by putting that thing in there, having children disobedient to parents, he wants to cut off the blessing that God has for them. He, he, he wants to cut it off and have them eating with the pigs. Come on. Paul says to Timothy, one of the signs will be disobedient to parents. I said, God, what you saying? What you talking about? And he says this and he goes, watch this now. So, you know the story of Joseph, right? Oh, God, come on. Come on, seven in and stretch. Come on, don't, don't, don't let me lose you. Seven, seven in and stretch. Take me out to the ball game. Come on, seven in and stretch. We're going to get to the finish. I need you to understand this. I don't need the enemy now to distract you so you lose your authority that you have. Come on. You've got to listen to what this is saying. Faith and obedience is critical. It's absolutely critical because you will know that when your child has acknowledged your authority by their faith and obedience. And so God then wants to give a picture to a generation of what obedience is and what faith is so they can acknowledge God so God can come and bless this generation like you've never seen before. I declare and I decree in 2017 that the generation that's raising up will acknowledge God and will walk in faith and will walk in obedience and not will be perverted by the media and they will not be corrupted by the culture but they will stand firm because they have parents who understand the ability to acknowledge God. Someone say acknowledge God. So watch this now. Joseph ended up in prison, not because of his brothers. (laughs) Because of his daddy. Come on, you know the story, right? Jacob says, go see how your brothers are doing. So with faith and obedience, Joseph went. Because my dad told me. Not because I wanted to, but my dad told me to go. So I'm going because my dad told me. And so I end up in the pit because of my daddy. So in the pit, he could have said, Dad, you got me here. Blaming his father. Not knowing that God was doing a work. Come on. That God was doing a work of saving an entire generation. And so faith and obedience at this level was able to cause a nation that would have starved to now live and to prosper because of faith and obedience. So while he was being accused, faith and obedience, when the woman tried to come on seduce him, he says, no, 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 I can't do this thing. Why? No, girl, you're fine. But here is why I can't do this thing. (laughs) He didn't deny her beauty. He acknowledged God's blessing. Come on, somebody. He said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? No, my faithfulness is to God. And so he did it. And so he did it. Uh, Two more and I'm done. I promise you, two more and I'm done. Another one is David and his faith and obedience. And so David was at the battle. Not because he wanted to be at the battle. Because his dad told him. Take this provision and take these items and go see how your brothers are doing. And so David says, okay. And there's something I want to share with you real quick. Look, look deep into this. You don't have time now, but I want you to look into this. There's a principle that David released about personal growth. That I believe that's why God elevated him to a place. God anointed him in the chapter earlier before he fought Goliath. Right? And the whole story of David and Goliath is not about Goliath. It's about David. Because in the chapter before, all it says, they poured the oil on him. There's nothing talks about David's character except he was good looking and he came out of the field. Chapter 17 wasn't about Goliath. Stop focusing on the Goliath. Focus on David. Come on. We see the Goliath and we run back like this. Oh gosh. And we come out again. We see the Goliath. We run back like this. That's what's in David's faith and obedience. He's there. And so all of a sudden he's accused now. Why are you here? You just want to see the fight. David's like, What? How long has this been going on for? Isn't there a cause? And David, David acknowledges God and, and, and destroys Goliath. And it's what, what I love is when Saul calls David. This is so cool. So Saul said, hey, get that guy and bring it in front of me. David walks with the head of Goliath. <laughs> I dominate the day. Oh, God Almighty. 
This is what's been bothering you guys? I got that. I got him by the head. And we need the church of the grab that devil. Get him by the head and says, what? Christ is the head. He's the king. He is the authority. If we walk in, oh, I'm hearing the Holy Ghost say, now prophesy to my church. If you walk in faith and obedience, you will surely be the head and not the tail. If you walk in faith and obedience, church, you will be the head and not the tail. So here it is now. Here it is now. After all that, we have to change how we parent this generation. We have to change how we parent this generation. We can no longer allow disobedience in the house. We, we, we can't afford to allow disobedience in the house. We can't do it. Because it will bring division in the house if we don't acknowledge God. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And if you want to dominate your day, if you want to walk in victory, we have to say no to disobedience and welcome faith and obedience in the house. Ephesians chapter 6 is known as a spiritual warfare chapter. And we go all the way to when Paul talks about the armor of God. And some would say that he was in a Roman prison and he was looking at the Roman soldier and he was getting the metaphor and the analogy of looking at the different armors that they had on and he was writing this about the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shall the preparation of gospel of peace. He said all those things, but we never start at chapter, verse 1 of chapter 6. But we, we don't start there. Because when you start this as children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. He establishes authority of faith and obedience first. Now he says, pick up your weapon, pick up your armor. Can I teach this thing? Can I teach this thing? So when David got to the battle, Saul tried to give him his armor. But he had the armor of obedience, of faith and trust. And we're trying to fight certain battles. Young people, you're trying to fight certain battles and you're operating in disobedience and you'll never win. You will lay down. Come on and give yourself to that dude. You will. You will lay down. I don't care how strong you are. You will lay it down. You will pick up. You will. If you don't operate in faith and obedience, I'm here to tell you, this is not trying to be some, you know, religious thing or try to hold you back from God's blessing. No, 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 baby. I'm telling you, if you operate in disobedience, you'll never be able to embrace the fullness of God. You will always lose. Always lose. This thing called sin is dangerous. And faith and obedience is what God has given. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is pleases God. And so here it is now. But Rowan, you don't understand how my, how my, how my dad is or, or my mom. No, no, no. You want to acknowledge God. Not a, not about them. Because I am at a point where I've missed opportunities. Thank God for his grace. Because I reverted back to blaming God for where and what my dad did or didn't do. And he say now, dominate your day, Rowan, by walking in obedience and walking in faith. So you can now dominate your day. So children... Children, parents, this is vital in 2017. Vital, Ashton. And that's why we have to teach a generation what it is to walk in faith and walk in obedience. Luke, Luke chapter 17, and then we're done. Look, I'm closing my Bible. I'm just, sorry, I'm going to put my notes away. Last one, last one. I want to share something with you that is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely Someone said, this, this right here, someone said, this right here is worth the entire time I was spending listening to you. <laughs> Luke chapter 17. When I read this, I was like, I, I was breakdancing last time. This is going to make me do some like backflips. My God. Watch this now. In Luke chapter 17. 
I'm reading from New King James. It says, Then he says to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses shall come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown to the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. He's talking about don't be a stumbling block to anybody, okay? He's talking to him. And then he goes now in verse 3, and this is where it gets interesting. Take heed to yourself. (laughs) Or be careful, he says. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents... Forgive him. Okay? Now, we've had churches where I've been involved where they bring up to the front and embarrass you and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So he's not, not talking about that. What he's talking about is that, is that you have to get the junk out. Because God's doing the work. He says, if he repents, forgive him. Be patient with him. This is how the body's restored. Right? So now it's getting quiet because there's some people that you're just like, uh-uh. I'm not forgiving them at all. I can. I hear you, Pastor Rowe, but I'm turning you off right now. I was shouting when you were talking about defeating my enemies. But now you're about to become my enemy. Come on. Okay. And if he sins against you, can someone read that? And if he sins against you, ooh. Seven times in a day. (laughs) Seven ways to dominate your day. Come on. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And we think it's over. We think Jesus is done. Okay. And the reason why we stop there and the reason why it's not happening is because we stop there. And we think he goes into something different. And the apostle said to the Lord... Referring what he just taught them. He says, increase my faith. Because to obey what you just told me to do, you have to increase my faith then. It's not increase, says money cometh. Come on, oh God. It's if I can't be restored to my brother, money won't come. Oh God, I'm right. Because if you're supposed to give and press down and shake it together, shall man give into your bosom. If there is a stumbling block, if there is a hindrance to what God wants to do, it won't come. So God has said, I want to get blessing to you. This rebuke, this return, this forgiveness is to get blessings to you because it has to come through somebody. So they're working it out as you're working it out. Then we come together in unity. Good God Almighty. What Jesus teaching is how to get the junk out. So you can walk in faith and obedience. Oh my God. High five me, babe, because this is good. Oh yeah, praise God. Right? So the Lord said, if you have faith, watch this now. He said, if you tap into this realm, this is now when you need to rejoice. This is how you're going to live now. Someone say, I'm going to live by faith, Ro. I'm going to live by faith. Come on, say it. Okay, okay, watch it. So the Lord says, if you have faith as a, he continues now, because he just gave them a directive. He gave them a, a, a kingdom, a kingdom, a principle. And they're like, what? The religious system had it to where it was only a certain amount, but Jesus says, no, seven times. Yeah, that's crazy. Seven times in a day, I'm going to get offended. So he says, yo, yeah, yo, yeah. And every single time, forgive. And so he now says, increase my faith. Oh God, increase my faith. And, and look how the Lord answered him. He says, I will. Because he says this now. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and you say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would, oh, it will obey you. So your obedience to acknowledge God in the heavenly will cause you to have authority to cause things in the natural realm. There is power in your mouth when you live by faith and obedience. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Bob Evans is calling. Amen, somebody. Come on, everybody. Bow your head. Bow your head and close your eyes. Amen. 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 Every teenager that's here, and those who are in Kelly's class, every teenager, 2017 is your year. Come on. 
I don't know how much stronger I can say it or how much harder I can preach it. Walk in faith and obedience to your parents. Walk in obedience to that. And to those of us who are here, oh, Jesus, this is the part. Right now, I know you're speaking. I know you're moving. But let me launch them out with your agenda and with your assignment. Someone say, increase my faith. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. There it is, right there, right there. Come on, right there. There it is. Increase my faith. I want to have authority to speak to things. To dominate my day begins with me acknowledging you, God, so I can speak to things, and they have to obey me. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. For those who are here and you have an Abraham call on your life, I prophesy over you that you will accomplish and you will speak to nations. I pray a covenant blessing over you. For those of you who have a Joseph anointing on you and you find yourself in the pit right now, I want you to open your mouth and start to give God praise because faith and obedience got you there. For those of you who are David and you are uh, being accused by your brothers, I pray over you that you have a, an anointing to take down, to take down Goliaths.